0: Amen. Thank you, Brother Tommy and all the team. What a time of worship. Amen? It really has been. Thank you so much. We're going to look at the Word for a few minutes today, and we're going to, to participate in Holy Communion as we're instructed to by the Lord Himself and then taught again by the Apostle Paul as he writes to the church at car rent that these things we're to do And we're to do it in remembrance of the Lord Jesus Christ. But before we get to that, I want to remind you that the Bible declares repeatedly over and over again that Jesus is coming to receive the church out of this world. That is an undeniable truth taught in the Scripture. And anyone who reads the Word understands that the promise of Jesus said... If I go away, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus said he's coming again. Jesus said no one knows, only the Father knows. He goes so far to say that the Son does not even know when he is going to come. That is all in the Father's perfect plan and will as to when Jesus will come And doing what we refer to as the rapture, the calling out of the church. And I'm looking forward to that. I really believe with every ounce of my being that we are in the very last days before that takes place. And when I say every ounce of my being, that's a lot of ounces. But I I really believe that. Listen to what the scripture says in in Acts chapter 1. This same Jesus who was taken away from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Physically rose to be in the presence of the Father. Physically going to return to appear in the very same way in the heavens as he did when he went up. Jesus said, I will prepare a place for you and I will come again, as we just mentioned a minute ago. Then in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and thirteen through 13, says this, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared once to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This event, as I mentioned last Sunday, is commonly referred to as the rapture of the church. Now, I went into explanation of where we get the word rapture from last Sunday. If you want that, just go on our website and listen to last Sunday's message and I covered that for you. It is a word that is translated to be caught up together. In 1 Thessalonians, the Bible teaches us, as Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, that we will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And that word that is translated caught up together means several things that are included in that. Caught up. That would signify that we're going to be taken away. And the word in original form means to be snatched away. You know, that really says that there are going to be some Christians that are really attached to the things of the world. Though they're saved, though they know the Lord is their Savior, they're still so involved in the worldly life that they'll have to be snatched away. As a matter of fact, I think that speaks of all of us that we know that not we're not going to miss that calling out of the church. We're not going to miss the rapture of the church. We're not going to miss that being caught up together because he's going to snatch us out of this world. Not one believer will be left behind. Not one who knows him as Lord and Savior will be left behind on that glorious day. For he says the dead who are in Christ, those that have already passed on, That know Jesus will be raised before us. They will rise first, and then we will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in there. We'll talk about that more later, but I'll just remind you of that: that we're going to be caught up, we're going to be snatched away. But that word also means to be transported, to be transported to a destination. Jesus said, I'm coming again to get you that where I am, there you may be also. He has a destination for us. Aren't you thankful for that? He's not going to just snatch us up and we're going to float around for eternity out there with Jesus just going around the space, you know. Oh, he has a place for us. And he's going to take us to that place, transport us to that place. But he also says, That word means, he didn't say this, the word means to be rescued. Now, let me tell you something. If you know anything about the world in which we live, if you're paying any attention to what's going on in the world, you know there are Christians all over this world who need to be rescued. There are some who are suffering greatly because they're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. They're believers, they're Christians, they were missionaries in Afghanistan that have been left behind and they are miserable today as they're being attacked and and they're being mistreated and and what they're living in. And Jesus said, he's coming again and the word talking about caught up means to be rescued. But it's also a rescue of the entire church from the impending danger that looms over this earth. For when the church has been called out, when we've been rescued, when we've been taken all together with those that are dead in Christ and then we which are alive will be changed, caught up together. Listen to what he says in Corinthians. He says, this mortal must put on immortality. In other words, this mortal that sickens and dies will put on immortality. Well, they'll never know death. And he says, and also that we'll put on righteousness We'll be made like him and will be rescued from out of this. But listen to what he says in Matthew. Jesus speaking says, but of that day and that hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven. So you also, he says in chapter 24 and verse 33 of Matthew, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Now, there are a lot of things Jesus said that help us understand that the next event is not the tribulation. The next event is the rapture of the church. He says when you see these things happening that he's described, and these are the things that he described. First of all, he talks about in Matthew 24, the parable of the fig tree. When you see it put forth its new growth you'll know that the time is near. Well, that happened in 1948. You see, the fig tree is symbolic of the nation of Israel. And in 1948, Israel put forth its new growth by declaring itself to be a sovereign nation once again. Many of our young folks do not know that, that Israel has not been a nation for all that long again. They were dispersed all over the globe, but there was a hope, there was a promise of God. And they went started going back to the homeland, and they declared themselves a sovereign nation, even though the world did not receive them until they were 12 years old. In 1960, the world accepted them by giving them a seat in the United Nations, And Jesus said, when you see the fig tree put forth its new growth. And let me tell you what, Israel is growing like it's never grown before. There are Jews, those that are from there, that's their homeland, that are going home. They're finding a way to get back to their homeland. He says, when you see that begin to happen, you'll know that these things are near. What is that? That you're going to be caught up, that you're going to be changed that you're going to be transported to a new destination. I'll come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you will be also. In Matthew 24 and verse 44, he talks about it as being when you least expect it, in an hour that you think not. Well, let me tell you what. You just try stirring up a conversation with other believers about the soon coming of Jesus. You'd be sitting in your classroom and Sunday school classroom even perhaps and bring up, I think things are really shaping up. I've been listening to Brother Rick and I've studied and, and and I'm a Bible believer. I'm a student of the word. I believe that is really at hand and I think we need to be ready. I'm telling you what, you will hear a strange silence most of the time. Well, there may be a few to speak of, and I'm not being judgmental. I'm just telling you the the age that we live in, the day that we live in. And if you bring it up in the marketplace, out where you work and where you shop and where you live in the, in the neighborhood, there will be a shunning of you. There will be folks that won't have anything to do with you because they don't want to talk about that. They don't want to look at that. They don't want to think about that. And the church carries on. We go on with business as usual as though that day is not here and is not coming coming in our lifetime but jesus said when you see these things take place you'll know that your redemption is very near when you turn to the book of the revelation and i'm giving you a lot in a short period of time but we're going to back up on some of this next sunday and talk about it a little deeper and further but when you get the book of the revelation you'll you'll see that He. Jesus appears to John on the Isle of Patmos and he tells him to write of the things that are and the things that are to come. And the things that are ours, the present time, we live in that time when the gospel is being perpetrated, when, when the gospel is being told, I should say when the gospel is being shared and folks are coming to faith in Christ, we live in that day. And he tells John, he says, I want you to write seven letters. Now, seven is heavenly completion. And he says, I want you to write seven letters. And just stay with me just a minute. He says, I want you to write seven letters to the seven churches. Now, these churches were physically present throughout Asia Minor when he told John to write these letters. But there are seven and there were more than seven churches in that area. but he chose these seven churches to help us understand that he's talking about the completion of the church age. When the com- church is completed, then he'll come again. and he gives him seven letters, and there are several ways to interpret those letters. I think you can you can interpret interpret them as practical uh, teachings. those churches were. Physically present, those things were taking place in those churches that Jesus told John to write about. He didn't stop and say, well, Jesus, I didn't know that about that. John knew full well what Jesus was talking about. Taking place in those physically present churches throughout Asia Minor. But he says, I want you to write these things. You can understand those things practically that that's the things were. But you can also apply those letters perennially. You can apply them perennially, that they speak to the church of any time during the church period. They speak to the how that may be in, in, in another church in the same city, how it may be in a church in another town, how it may be in... Dalreda Baptist Church, we can find ourselves and our personal lives in all of those seven letters, and they can be perennially understood. That means always understood that they are in effect. They speak to us in our present state, our age, and in our lives and time. But there is also a prophetic statement that can be understood prophetically. That he is giving the timeline between the inception of the church and the rapture of the church. And that's what we're looking at as we walk through these times and looking at the church time and the rapture of the church. That we understand these things are prophetic. Now they're practical, they're, they're applied there. Can I say they're also personal? You can find yourself individually in the letters of these churches when God says to you, "I find you lukewarm, and I'd spew you out of my mouth." There are a lot of lukewarm Christians, lukewarm Christians, and as we look at that, they are, there's a personal application in your life and heart. And mind. Isn't God marvelous in His Word? Isn't it overwhelming that I hear an amen? Isn't it overwhelming to us to know that we can look at a passage out of the book of the Revelation where Jesus speaks it to uh, the Apostle John as he's exiled there. And he says, I want you to write of these things that are. And then he says, I want you to write of the things that are to come. And he writes those following these letters to the seven churches. If they are to be understood prophetically then we would find different times and periods in the age of the church represented in those seven letters. But you see, the last letter is the church at Laodicea. And the church at Laodicea is the one that's lukewarm. I I want you to listen to what he says of the church at Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3, beginning with verse 14. And to the angel of Laodiceans write... These things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation of God. I know your works, that you're neither hot nor cold. I would that you were either cold or hot, but you're neither of the two. I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich, have become wealthy, And have no need of anything and do not know that you are wretched and that you are miserable, poor, blind, and even naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined with fire, that you may be rich and white garments, that you may be clothed, that you Now, we use that little verse in evangelism as though God is talking about knocking on the door of the lost person. But he's writing the letter to the church. He says, I stand at the door of the church that I own. I'm standing at the door of the church that I have redeemed with my own blood. I stand at the door of the church in this last time That has become lukewarm and they don't even know hot from cold. They don't know where they stand spiritually. They don't even realize they're naked and they're exposed in all of their sinfulness. And he says, I stand at the door and knock. And if any individual, see, he doesn't wait. Say the response has to be for the conglomerate. It doesn't have to be for the whole church. If any person hears my voice and asks me to come in and fellowship with him, I will come in and we will have sweet fellowship together. Jesus said there's a time that's coming. And we are experiencing that time today. When there's a lukewarmness about the things of God... There's not an on-fire spirit in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's not an on-fire spirit in the denominations of Christendom. We just don't seem to have that anymore. And he says, you're lukewarm. I wish you were either hot or cold, but I'd spew you out of my mouth. He says, but as I stand at the door and knock of the church, when I ask to be Lord of the people that I've saved and that they fellowship with me he who turns to me i will fellowship with him let me say what that let me tell you what that says that says regardless of what's going on in the world regardless of what's going on in the churches around you you have an opportunity as an individual christian as an individual child of god to have sweet sweet communion with jesus in the privacy of your own bedroom. In the privacy of your own closet, if I can say that. You get in that prayer closet. You, you spend a little time with Jesus and he says, if you will call out to me, if you will turn to me, if you'll open up the door, I will fellowship with you and you with me. He longs to fellowship with the church in these last days. But he always has fellowship through the individual Christian And together they come together to magnify the Lord in what he's doing in their own lives, what he's doing in their time of private life fellowship with Jesus and we come together in public worship and we sing the songs of praise and we lift our voices to him who has saved us and has fellowship with us throughout the week and we praise him and we come before him as a group and we pray and we say God thank you for being our presence for you said where we're gathered together you are with us and father we welcome you in your spirit in this place speak to our hearts minister to our needs instruct us and lift us up and encourage us in the day in which we live Jesus said he says write this down John in those days if the Christians will just open up the door of fellowship for me to come into their lives and fellowship with them afresh I will do that in the midst of all that's going on in the world when there is a lukewarmness even a coldness about the people of the church i will fellowship with that one who will turn to me that's sweet that is a sweet promise that he says i'll not leave you i'll be with you always he writes this as the final of the seven letters as i said of those seven letters you can you can interpret them perennially they always are applicable in any local congregation. You can interpret them personally, that they're written to the individual believers. You can refer to them, interpret them practically as you study these churches and go back into history and find what he writes to them or about the things that are really going on in those churches at that time. But let me tell you, the reason for the writing of the Revelation is a prophetic reason. He has given us this book that we may know how the end's going to wind up. That we can know what is ahead for us. And we can know to be ready. And he says to the church at Laodicea, if if that is to be prophetically understood as you interpret these seven letters, we're in the last time the church at Laodicea. And the next thing will be is the transporting, the rapture, calling home of the redeemed from all over the world by Jesus himself. For you see, that is the last time the church is mentioned in the Revelation on the earth. The last time it's ever talked about as being on the earth is in those seven letters, and particularly the church at Laodicea, the seventh letter. The very next scene is, John was invited to come up here. Come up here and let me show you what's going to take place. And he was transported miraculously to heaven and was given the scenes, the visions, and all of these things of what it's going to be like during the time of the Great Tribulation, during the time of the of the coming of Jesus and fighting the battle of Armageddon and Set getting, and setting up his thousand-year reign. He he gives all of that, makes it so clear throughout I say so clear. I won't say that. Let me take that back. It is available to us in the book of the Revelation. And doing a study and Proving the book of Revelation, interpreting the book of Revelation, not by going through there and all these make-believe things you hear and, and all those things. Interpret the book of Revelation by the word of God. God is not going to give us anything in his word that is contrary to his book. All of the Bible is all true. Every bit of it, every jot and every tittle, every word, every syllable, every letter of the word of God is God's breathed word to us. And the revelation is to be understood by knowing the character, the workings, the will, and the trail of God's redemption as it's given all the way from creation until the coming of Jesus. We're living in that day. Now, I know there are a lot of different opinions. I understand that. But you can be wrong if you want to. I'm going to be with the word, okay? We're going to talk about this. And let me... As you begin with chapter 4, it is the part where Jesus said, and I will tell you the things that will be. Those things are going to follow the time of the church. But he said, you don't have to be comfortless. You don't have to be without hope. You don't have to be afraid. For we know that our redemption is near. In Christ Jesus. Aren't you thankful for that truth? And as we partake of this communion service in just a minute, I want to remind you that as Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he gives them the communion service and he walks through, he even quotes Jesus. I and mean, If you'll turn there and look, you'll find as he quotes him, it is, it is his red letter, if you have a red letter edition of the church. So he's quoting Jesus at those things. I didn't mark it in my Bible, but 1 Corinthians, he says that this is what we do in communion. And he says, and Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he says, then he took the cup and he told him to drink of this cup. And then he said that every time you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. Till he comes. We're going to show the Lord's death this morning. and We're going to be reminded that we partake of this meal, a symbolic meal. These are not uh, things that become actually the blood and the body of Christ. They are figurative. They help us to understand his death, his suffering. And he tells us to partake of this, which represents his body, represents his blood, that we partake of this meal until he comes again. That's what we're doing today. And I'm telling you, as you partake of this meal today, let me encourage you to do something. When you take that bread, I want you to look at it for a second before you put it in your mouth, and I want you to say, Father, this reminds me of the Lord's body, given for me on Calvary, crucified, that I may have forgiveness. Thank you, Lord. And you chew that piece of unleavened bread. Then you take that cup. And you say, Lord, thank you. This reminds me of your blood shed on Calvary. That cleanses me of every sin. And gives me the hope. And I'll keep practicing this. Thanking you for the hope that I have until you come again. And drink that cup. If you'll follow those simple procedures as we walk through this, this could be the very most meaningful communion you've ever taken. Can I say to you without instilling fear, without being out of of my rocker and out of my head, may I say to you, take it as though it's the last communion. Take of it as though it's the last communion you'll have before he comes. You're talking about worship. You're about to worship. You're about to worship.